four, three, two, one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to the another edition of the Roundtable. Um, I am your host, Quiet Storm, and I'm here with the usual suspects. I got Johnny Cactus here with me, along with Alex. So you guys. Hey, What's up, everybody? Hi. How you doing? Yo. All right. So tonight, uh, what we have on the table for tonight, we do have two topics that we'll be discussing. Uh, the first topic is more of a, a concept, um, which is self-confidence, inner strength, and what it means to us. How do you develop it if you don't have it? And is it possible to pass that on in terms of being taught? Or is that something that you have to innately have? And then the second topic will be uh, the transhuman subject, cybernetics. And then if there's a third topic, we'll segue into that. So let's get the show started. So my question of the night well, the first topic is the whole concept of self-confidence, having inner strength, being independent. Are those things interchangeable with each other or do you guys feel like there's a difference amongst those things there? So can you repeat those three one more time? So self having self-confidence, mm -hmm. um, being self-empowered, or like you know or just being independent do you feel like those are interchangeable or do you feel like there's like a a, a difference amongst those three or anything related to you know uh that that mindset i guess it's like uh, no go ahead go ahead I was gonna say I wouldn't say they're um, too interchangeable. I would say like I mean they're they're good, you know, attributes to have if you're, um, you know, wanting that kind of inner strength that we were talking before. Um, and uh, I know you said like whether these things can be taught or not. Um, I feel like it can be taught, you know, because uh, what really matters is the environment that you're brought up in. You know, that really affects the person's mentality the most. Um, no, I agree. Physiology does have, um, you know, playing it as well as, like, you know, just uh, natural factors uh, of heredity. But uh, uh, I, I'd say that they are teachable, you know. No, I agree. I agree. Just because, like, for, for myself and as an example, like, I'm definitely 100% independent. I don't need anybody's help. I can go ahead and do right or do wrong by myself. But in terms of having the self-confidence, I'm still trying to grow within that, that, that space there because it's not all there. And I remember I was having this conversation with a friend of mine and I asked that person uh, a question relating to what we're talking about. And it just made me think like, is there really a difference? Because for me, like I said, I, I, I'm very independent, but I'm somewhat lacking in the self-confidence area. I feel like you would have to have um, self-confidence, you know, to 
to self-empower yourself as well, you know. I'd say they're alike, but I don't know if they, like, are interchangeable, so to say. You know, and I feel you too, you know. Sometimes you don't always have that self-confidence in certain situations, but you just kind of got to jump into it and, and, and just roll with the punches, you know. For a while, that's, that's how I used to do things. You just learn after putting yourself in, in, in enough situations. See, like for me, like like I, I'm I'm more I think I think these I think these things can all exist independently of each other. I think there is some overlap between like the three the three attributes, you know. But but I, I, I mean for me it's more like I I I I don't I I mean I would say I'm independent on on many things, but I think I think like you know it's always relative, right? There's there's always like some sub subjectivity to it. Like there are cer certain things that I'm not independent on, but there are certain th you know just as like there are certain things I'm empowered in, but there are certain things I'm not empowered in. The same thing with confidence. I mean. I think it's sort of like a spectrum, you know, there's like a, there's like, there's like a scale, like varying degrees of like how much you are with each one of these different, you know, skill sets. Right. And, and, and for me, like, I, I know I'm probably the best at being like, I don't want to say empowered, but like, maybe like, you know, more or less confident in the things that I know that, you know, I've had success in, in the past, or rather like I've, been able to survive in in the past but as far as like being like truly independent that's that's a very hard i feel like that's the hardest one for anybody because you know even if you're financially independent are you emotionally independent and vice versa and um it's it's you know it's it's difficult uh and i don't know if like you can necessarily teach it i mean i guess i guess to a certain degree you can teach financial independence you know, you could, you know, you could teach a person how to fish, right? Like they always say that, like, you know, that proverb, whatever, but like, you can't, you can't necessarily, you know, teach like emotional independence. I think that's like really depends on like a person, you know, it, it, like whether or not, you know, it depends on their childhood and like their circumstances and just like their natural, like emotional. Yeah, environment. yeah absolutely. So, I, I definitely agree with, with what you're saying. Now, I know with uh, certain families, um, especially if they have like multiple siblings, there will be a clear distinction with where one kid will be right off rip, like bold and independent, while the other child is kind of like shy and reserved. So I feel like sometimes with as that saying goes, either you're born with it or you're not, either you have it or you don't. I feel like in some certain uh, situations, I feel like it, it's either you do have that, that personality trait or you don't. Now, I'm not saying that it can't be taught over time, but I feel like without that foundation there, it's a lot harder to really grow within that space if that foundation is not already there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. I mean, like, I think, like, I think there, there needs to be foundations in each one of these areas, too. Um, and I think, sadly, I think the reason it's so different for everybody and it's, you know, there's varying degrees of, um, 
of, you know, like achievement in these areas for each person is because they, you know, we all do like have our hardships growing up. And I feel like it's inevitable that one of these things is going to be affected. You know, it's re it's really difficult to, to, you know, lay solid foundations in each and every aspect, because I mean, I'll just give like a personal example, like, as far as confidence for me goes, I was, I was not very confident because I was bullied a lot. You know, when I was in high school in particular and middle school, I, I was, you know, really, really severely bullied. And, and um, that was, that was something that affected my confidence well into my twenties, even after I overcame whatever physical you know, things that were holding me back, like I, you know, my appearance or whatever I felt were the reasons that I was being picked on. You, you, you still, you know, it's still a blow to that level of like your development, that aspect of your development. So I feel like, I feel like there's only even so much like a parent or a family can do to influence those 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 traits like you know you the, the outside world you know it sucks right like it's it's always gonna find a way to interject its um you know adversity towards a person in one way or another and i and i think that what you see um what you see like a person as like once they're fully formed in each one of these areas it's usually because of just um you know, it's a combination of not just like their upbringing or whatever, their surroundings and environment, but also because of really kind of what, what the draw, the, the draw of the deck was, you know, what the, what the cards life threw at them, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely understand what you mean, man. I mean, you know, I, I always remember myself being a very friendly person, um, you know, throughout all my schooling. And, you know, particularly more so towards the beginning of, you know, like elementary school and like middle school, I was up as well too. Uh, probably not so severe, but still it was uh, very, you know, aggravating, of course. Um, and, you know, I dealt with it my own ways and whatnot, but I always had my friends there to support me. And I feel like that system of support is really what helped me most. You know, they may have not always been there uh, throughout the rest of time, but, you know, they were there when they were needed. And that was what was important at that time. And that really fed into, you know, the self-confidence and, and the empowerment. And maybe not as much the independence factor, you know, that may also be attributed um, to a lack thereof. But slowly learning over time, of course, you just uh, keep it going. Uh, you have to have that inner strength to keep it going. You know, sometimes you have to feed it off of people, and you have to pour it back into them. No, nah, I agree with that. I agree with that because I know even for myself, like growing up, like I've always been told I've been the same person. Like not much mm -hmm. has changed with me, my personality. Um, but I know that at least my perspective has consistently been changing over the years and I feel like it goes hand in hand with um, my growth as my um, confidence level has risen because even for me like I don't really remember being bullied I don't think I was really bullied but 
I, like my parents separated at a young age. So I was always in that mindset of why. So my mindset was always on that. And I feel like that kind of uh, altered my, my confidence level. Cause it just, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a young child and you see your parents just kind of disappear, it kind of like, leaves you with a whole lot of questions that you can't really mentally answer at that age you know what i'm saying so it kind of like made me feel like it was something that i did which ultimately you know had a, a hindering on my my self-confidence but as i grew older and i and i got exposed to more to different things and seeing that my situation wasn't uh you know, one and done, it was something that was, you know, more common than I actually known. Um, I was able to gain a little bit more closure, which then helped me bring my confidence level up a little bit. And now where I'm at, where I see and hear and understand a lot more than what I did when I was a kid, my perspective has changed and it's given me more, more, more confidence within myself um, because I was able to overcome so many things along the way where, I mean, I'm not where I would want to be self-confidence level wise, but you know, I've definitely grown. Um, and like, even for my son, like I'm trying to teach him to be more independent. Mm -hmm. Like he is, um, but he's not where I would want him to be. And I don't know for me as a parent, like, I don't know if that's a good mindset to have because he's not me. Like, I want him to be him, but I want him to be independent, like me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't want to, I don't want to put him in a category where he feels like he has to live up to my expectations. I don't want that, but I do want him to know that it is okay to be different. It is okay to do you and not follow mm -hmm. the crowd so um so it, it's it's a lot of things that's just kind of been like going mm -hmm. through my mind like how do i teach confidence mm -hmm. is that even possible to teach confidence the, i feel like the best you can do is just give them that emotional backing you know let them make the mistakes that they need to learn about themselves um from a young age you know that that's that's what i feel is the most important thing uh, you know, I don't have kids yet or anything. I have nieces and nephews, but, you know, lately I've been growing closer to, to wanting to have a family. So I think about these things a lot. And definitely I feel like having that support is what helps that person mold themselves into the person, you know, they need to be. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, you know, going off of what Alex said, like, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about, like, you know, having a family down the road, too. You know, I mean, I, I've gone through a couple of transitions in my life recently where, you know, I finally think that might actually be, you know, something feasible for me. And, and one question I want to pose to you guys, you know, in light of that, because it, it, this is what keeps coming to my mind, right? I mean, you know, obviously, we're living in really bizarre and difficult times, Um you know, so like, so like the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, when you think about, you know, children and, you know, nurturing them, especially in these like particular, you know, uh, areas of, um, of development, you know, how important is community, you know, in, 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 in this, um, in this process? Because I feel like, 
you know, looking back on it for me, you know, I had, I had a very strong person. I had a very strong family basis. You know, I had a, I had a very strong foundation at home, you know, and, uh, you know, my, 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 my mother in particular, you know, was, uh, was everything to me is everything to me. Still, you know, I still maintain a very close relationship to her, but then you have, um, you know, but then, you know, again, like for me, when I would step outside into society, I felt like I was not really supported. And, you know, you could say, you know, you could obviously argue, you know, like it's, it's, it's part of the, you know, the, the responsibility of a parent, you know, to, to nurture these things. And it absolutely is. I mean, a thousand percent, but, but, you know, outside of that strong emotional backing, you know, like, do you guys think that like society should strive for a more, supportive um or uh you know like uh, encouraging environment a more a more you know a safer environment for everybody you know which is what i feel like a lot of people nowadays are trying to trying to strive for because you know obviously the the questions of the questions of of being nice to people and of you know encompassing everybody this is something that's like i think the the biggest topic um, that has been on the plate, at least for our country for, you know, since the beginning. And I don't, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about like much, you know, bigger issues too, but I think, I think it also, I think this also translates on a micro scale, you know, cause like if I have a kid and the kid goes out there and it doesn't feel like, you know, and it's, let's say it's a, a particularly sensitive child, you know, he or she's a particularly sensitive child. Mm -hmm. And they go out and they don't feel supported in the community or they see their friends who are being, you know, diminished by, you know, society that does not entirely accept them or marginalizes them. You know, this is, this is something that I wonder if it plays into levels of confidence, independence, and sometimes maybe it, you know, sometimes maybe it, it, it is a bigger factor than maybe we take it for, you know, outside of just like the development in the home. And I, I was curious what you guys think about that. Well, personally, I mean, I was a very oversensitive child, which is why I was bullied a lot early on. You know, any little thing would make me upset or cry. Everyone would always pick on that fact. Um, and it wasn't until more along the end of middle school is when I actually started picking up some friends who were more conscious of that and accepting me for who I was and whatnot. At home, you know, it wasn't the best, but it was what it was. And I cannot say anything particularly bad about my parents uh, in terms of my upbringing. Could they have done better? Yes, but I feel like everyone can. So, you know, all that put together, just the emotional backing was really what helped me get my self-confidence back from that point. Uh, I wouldn't say until maybe high school around where I started independentizing myself a little more is when I really started to get that confidence and that, that, that helped me a lot more. So on that topic, I remember when I was younger, I was, I always used to hear a saying, um, I don't remember word for word how it goes, but um, I think it's something along the lines of uh, it takes a, uh, uh, a village to raise a child or something like that. Yeah. I've heard that. I, before. Like when I was young, I never, I never understood it. Um, until I got a little bit older and I started um, being around 
my cousins who had kids or uh, friends who had kids. And I, and I realized how well a, a support system, like a really found strong support system, how important that really is because as a parent, there are moments where you feel overwhelmed with the, the pressures of the world. Um, one thing about society, um, there is a standard for everything. And if society makes you feel like you are below that standard, even though you may not be, it really puts you in a different mindset, mm -hmm. which then affects you mentally. And what you're affected mentally, it kind of affects everything else that you're doing. Um, so I believe having a good, sound, strong support system is very important because at the end of the day, to me, what a support system is, is a, a network of friends and family or just friends or people you consider as family. However you want to categorize it, I feel like that is what you need. Last night, I was driving with my son. He asked me a question and he pretty much asked me um, who was going to be invited to his birthday party. And I told him, you know, with everything that's going on, I want to keep it as small as possible, but more than likely, I just want friends or, you know, close friends of the family, but very, very small as possible. And I told him, like, it's going to be hard because I have such a big family. And he pretty much asked me, like, why do I have a big family? And why is that a good thing? And I told him, family is everything. At the end of the day, family is everything. Whether it's blood relations or people you are very close with, because going back to that whole support system, when you are going through something emotionally and you don't have anybody else to turn to, that's when having that good support system will come in clutch because it will affect you when if you're going through a situation by yourself and you don't really have nobody else to turn to. And even as a parent, when you have, you know, your brothers or sisters or your cousins or your significant other to help you carry that load, it really takes the burden off your shoulders and helps you really see things the way that should be seen as a parent or just even uh, somebody who doesn't have a child but is in a relationship. Um, like I said, society's standards of everything, it's, 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 it's damn near perfection and perfection does not exist. So you're already in a losing battle because society wants you to look a certain way and be a certain way and, you know, be financially set by a certain age. And there's always like the, this, this whole blueprint that's been presented and already made for you to hit each milestone. And when you don't hit that milestone, you're looked at, you're looked at as a failure or you're ostracized because of it. So I feel like just having that, support system whether big or small I feel like is very uh, necessary and very productive and very positive because what you can't do what you can't do or go through on your own going through that situation or that experience with somebody else will help put you in a better position to overcome yeah I see. um 
I feel like, you know, it's important to have all that too, especially when you're making mistakes. Because mistakes, you know, they're, they're some of the best teachers. Yeah, you can try to get them to not make those mistakes and, and to be careful, um, but they will happen. Ultimately, life is, is one of the best teachers out there. You know, that's, that's why I would say it's important to have that emotional backing. When it happens, you can help them get back up. That That's how they, they learn to, you know, be more, I guess, self-confident in themselves. And they've been through enough situations. See, like I, I agree, I agree with you guys so much. I mean, Storm, I was, I, I was, you know, I was, um, I was admiring what you were saying, you know, uh, to your son about family because, because that, that, that to me it has, at least in my experience as well, been very true. I mean, for me, you know, family has been the one thing that has carried me through the the darkest times of my life, and I feel like that was that that is the most important thing that you can provide another person is that is that support system and it, and it may be you know it may not be like a blood relation like you said it may be a friend or you know it, it could be a various you know anyone really but but the truth is is that to have that support system you know like to have that village that helps raise that person um you know, I think it's really important. I mean, like, you know, I come from, I come from an, uh, an Italian, uh, you know, cultural, you know, background. And, um, uh, you know, we were, we were known for, you know, like having like multi-generational households where, where, um, you know, like families live with their, with their kid, you know, parents live with their kids, even when the kids are grown and then the kids get married. And then sometimes, sometimes the parents and the parents live with the kids, you know, and, you know, like uh, who are married as grown adults and they have children. And, you know, sometimes you have three generations of people living in one house and, um, this is not, this is not uncommon. In fact, my situation is very, very similar. Um, and I, I, I actually really admire that because I feel like I have the support to, um, if I do decide, you know, down the road, or I should say my wife, you know, and I decide, you know, down the road that we want to have a child, like, you know, I, I feel, I feel a lot more confident that having a, having a household, um, you know, to back us up would be, would be ideal. And, you know, as far as community goes, like, you know, I, I, I always think about, you know, again, um, you know, I know like the times really don't inspire confidence in people. Um, but what's, but what's interesting is that, you know, I think it also depends on where you, where you choose to settle, you know, where you choose to, you know, like sort of like, you know, uh, you know, lay down your stuff and call it home. And I think that, you know, where, where, you know, uh, like I always think about where I live, like, you know, I live in, I live in New York, you know, I live in a major, I mean, I live in a major city. And um, I, I, as much as I, as much as I love it here, you know, I, I always say sometimes I'd like to be in the country because I feel like, I feel like for me, um, I, I like, so sometimes I feel like community there where there's sometimes where there's less people because you get to know everyone better, I feel like sometimes the support system can actually be a little more close knit or a little more reliable. Um, it's, it's easier to get to know, you know, your surroundings and your environment instead of having, you know, hundreds of people around you all day. So it's, it's really interesting. And, but again, like, I feel like it's so difficult to trust any of that with, with the world that we're in. And, um, so I, again, like, I, I think that, you know, having that first line of defense, not just being like, you know, 
a responsible parent, but also having like some sort of family. And again, it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be, you know, like grandparents or whatever. It could be, you know, friends or cousins or whoever that live with you or, or live close to you. You know, it's like having that group, that familial group is really essential, I think, to the, to the psychological development of any person. I feel like, you know, people by nature are communal, right? You know, they, they, they need that, that group support. And um, for, for me, like, I know that, you know, like people, you know, I was always criticized, you know, growing up, like when I was like in, in, in uh, college, uh, you know, or, you know, like everybody was like, why didn't you want to move out? Why didn't you want to move out? And, you know, even as I got older, and the reason was because I knew that being on my own, when I was like truly alone, my mental health was way worse. I, I knew that for me, being alone was not good for me. It was, it was so, I, I, I was so used to having like this, this like, you know, huge family unit that was constantly together. Then eventually when I was on my own, I felt myself like, you know, not occupied enough with my time mentally or emotionally, really, I should say. And I, and I think it led to, it led to, you know, um, you know, diminishing of my confidence or diminishing of my, my, um, you know, uh, self-esteem and uh, empowerment and all the, you know, these, these traits we're, we're talking about. So I feel like it's really important to emphasize that. And, um, especially now in a world where it's hard for us to leave our house. And, you know, like you were saying, Storm, like, you know, having only having a few people over for the birthday party, you know, it's, um, you know, we have to make these like strange decisions all of a sudden that we never really had to make before. And um, the, all the more reason why it's so important to have that, that really strong home base, if you will. And, um, and I think it does. And I think it does factor into, how well the development of a, of a person really is, you know, I really, I really, even, even now, I'm a, even now as a man in my thirties, I still, I still need to have people around me all day or, or I start to, I start to lose myself a little bit. You know, I get a little crazy. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, you know, you start to crawl up the walls, uh, at least for me, you know, look, everybody's different. Some people do really, really well alone. And that, that's totally cool. I, I, I just, for me, it's, it's something that I, again, I think it's because of my upbringing. I'm just used to that, you know? Definitely. I agree 100%. You know, speaking of people, like how many people have you met? With the same name over, like, like think of common names. For instance, mine, Alex. How many people have you met in your neighborhood? I know quite a few Alexes, actually. <laughs> yeah, I've met a few throughout my throughout my years. Yeah. Yeah, it gets very annoying hearing my name sometimes, um, especially with that new shit, Alexa. Uh, Alexa. Every time they say my name, that thing lights up and. Most of the time, they just don't say it anymore. But at least to my homies, you know, remember what the hell it was to that crib and shit. Listen, don't even get me started on this thing. These these Alexa devices, they need to get out of the houses, out of people's homes, because these things are always on listening to everything that is being, uh, that it's, it's hearing, and I don't like that. I feel like that's number one invasion of privacy. Oh, it definitely is. We're doing all these kind of things now, you know, and um, I just don't like it. Even with the phones, you know, like I'll be talking about certain topics with my friends, you know, whatever it is. 
whether it's like going to certain restaurants or certain products that I want to buy. And then next thing you know, I see this little ad or something when I'm watching YouTube videos or whatever the fuck. And I think it's insane. Yeah, I've had the same experience. I remember one time I, uh, I was, actually two experiences. So one time I was Googling something. I don't remember what it was. And then later that night I was watching YouTube and then boom, there it goes. Ad for it. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, nah, that's, that's, I'm like, that's just a coincidence. And then last week or like maybe two weeks ago, I was at work and me and uh, the manager of the store that I'm working in right now was we were talking about uh, a, a pizzeria spot and lo and behold, I go on YouTube. I didn't even search this thing. I go on YouTube and there's a commercial for it. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'd even normally, if you type something in, all right, it makes sense that, you know, it would transition to wherever, but the simple fact that I'd even have to like type or search anything but somehow me, it was still able to pull up. It it was fucking ridiculous. Uh, let me ask you guys: Do you two have Facebook as well? Like by any chance? I do have Facebook. Um, I don't use it as much. I, I actually am going to use that platform for my my poetry. I just haven't designed okay. it the way that I want to design it. Um, what about you, John? You have Facebook? Uh, no, actually, I, I, um, I, I have a weird relationship with Facebook because, I mean, um, you know, I, I, uh, I had used it when I was in college. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I came in on Facebook right when it was still, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like just six months of when you had to have a university email. And you, you know, you were like, you were, you were grouped only with people in your, in your school. Uh, and then, I mean, I used it for a good few years when I was, you know, when I was in school, but, but, but honestly, uh, I stopped using it. I want to say like, no, no joke. I want to say about like eight, nine years ago. And I never went back. I felt like it was I felt like, you know, speaking of the topic at hand, I felt like it was violating my privacy. You know, I don't need to see people like that. I haven't spoken to in like 20 years. Like, I don't, I don't need to see this stuff. Like it's to me, it's like, it's opening up a doorway for trouble for like drama. And I, I just, I, I have no, to me, it's like Facebook is by far the most sinister platform of social media. I try to do everything in my power to stay off of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's my relationship with Facebook, but I do use other, obviously, you know, I do use a lot of other social media. I'm not against it. I just feel like Facebook is, there's, there's something not, um, something doesn't sit right with me about Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Instagram is actually owned by Facebook. I know, I know. I, 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 it's funny, like, Again, I'm very, I'm very careful with my Instagram. I only like for me, my, my rule of thumb with this stuff is I only use it for my social media. Uh, I, I, obviously, what am I saying? No, I, I only use it for like my, my, my artistic or like, mm -hmm. like outlets. Like I'm, if I'm using it for my like content creation or obviously my writing and my poetry but I, I do not use it as a means of reaching out to like to friends really, or like family. And I, 
I, I don't go hunting down people from high school or, or stuff like that, or I really don't do that. And, and it's funny, like, you know, and this is actually a good story. I mean, this is a positive story, but I mean, you guys will, you guys will like think this is pretty cool. I think recently, I mean, this was just like a month or two ago. Um, I was, I was on, you know, doing my YouTube channel and, um, somebody reached out to me who was a childhood friend from when we were kids. I mean, we were, we were like almost in the crib together. I mean, we were, we were friends like up until we were like, like maybe six, seven, eight years old. And then he moved away. And this person found me on, on YouTube, um, by accident. Actually, I had written into a show, a YouTube live stream, and my picture was, was featured um, on the live stream. That's how this person found me. And um, it was unbelievable. And we reconnected. And it's kind of amazing. We, 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 we realized that we still have a lot in common. And we've been talking and, you know, we've been getting to know each other, like reacquainted with each other. And it's kind of cool. But, you know, that's a good example of how it can go. You know, you rediscover, you know, an old friend. And, but there's also that idea like, you know, you know, do you really want to go down the road with like, you know, uh, you know, other people you knew, you know, people maybe that you don't have like the greatest past with or you had a falling out with, like, I don't know, to me, I feel like it could, I feel like it could create a lot of animosity. And, and, and then also, I mean, this is just coming from my, you know, my more like, uh, you know, old man <laughs> perspective, but like, uh, you know, I look at like, um, you know, I look at like what I see go on, like my wife has Facebook, you know, and I'm always, I'm always saying to her like, Oh man, why do you use this? You know, I'm always like, you know, like I'll see her on, on her phone and I see a lot of drama with relationships, like a lot of, I mean, people who are married getting into fights and, you know, because all of a sudden exes start coming around and, you know, it's it, to me, it's a total no, no. I'm, I, I'm the kind of person where, if that's in my past, I cut ties. It's in my past. I can't, I can't reopen those books because that there's a reason that book is closed. Um, you know, as much as I may, as much as I may mourn or miss that book, you know, and I'll be honest, like, you know, there are many people, friends and, 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 you know, people that I knew, there are many people that sometimes I, I really mourn and miss the old times with them. And I think about it and I have great memories and I'm, I'm very sentimental like that. But, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you gotta, you gotta be respectful to where you are now in your life. And I just don't think it's cool when you see like, you know, you know, 50 year old, you know, you know, guys going on, on Facebook and, uh, you know, you know, semi cheating on their wives by, uh, you know, divulging every aspect of their life and all their problems to like ex-girlfriends and stuff. I just, I just don't think that, I don't know, that doesn't sit cool with me. But I could, you know, that, that's just me projecting maybe, but I, I, I don't, you know, that's like the kind of thing I'm always worried about. And I've seen it happen many times over, many times over, you know? So on that, on that topic, I have a question for you guys. So Alex, you had mentioned earlier about Alexis. Um, and Alexa. Were, Alexa, sorry. Uh, it's <laughs> all the same people to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and Facebook and how the internet and our devices, they just know us. So let me ask you a question now. With the way that technology is being produced and is evolving, 
Now, technology is evolving alongside human mankind. So that brings me to the topic of transhumanism and cybernetics. Uh, what 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 is your what is your take on that? See these things, they kind of creep me out because, like Jonathan was saying earlier, you know, it kind of like strips your privacy from you, especially with like people that you may not be good with, or even in terms of like just uh, corporations, you know, benefiting off of having that kind of information from you, especially when you're, you know. Uh, when your devices are embedded, like for instance, like the Neuralink, that's a good example of, of that kind of thing. You know, that's, that's exemplifying pretty much uh, transhumanism. That's, that's a, a, a progressive step towards that. Um, so I think it's pretty scary, you know, to think that, that that little device could invade your, your, your mind's privacy. And, and uh, it's kind of funny cause it, it takes me back to like um, DC comics actually. A friend of mine is super into it, and I know you are too, uh, right, Jonathan? Or was it uh, Marvel? I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, I'm I love all comic books, dude. Yeah, yeah but 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 I, I mean, I've read my fair share of DC, but I I, I am a Marvel guy. Yeah, no, but so, you're, you're right, man. You you may know this then. Uh, I, there's like a, a certain uh, point, I guess, in the comics where the Justice League fights like these um sort of gods, and uh, the essence of a god does not disappear. So. Uh, the Justice League, after defeating them, basically takes their power. And Batman gets this kind of, like, foresight. You know, that would essentially be what, like, those devices could be. You know, like, oh, maybe I want to go rob this store. Or maybe I want to go over here and do something, you know. It, it's just a more restrictive way of being. And I know that's not a negative, which it is. You know, that could be a good side to it. But that's also um, an argument for invading your privacy, which can be a double-edged sword you know when you want to fight against something that isn't just and they can have that sort of foresight against you then how can you stop a force that big you know yeah no no it's interesting i mean like i i uh i mean i you know my my general take on this I, and i and i'll keep this brief because i i want to i want to pass this off to storm because i i i want to i want to hear what he thinks because like because like i just saw this right before actually you know we we started we started talking on the podcast tonight um i was watching a youtube video of uh, a performance by a very very famous blues artist uh sun house and he was singing this song uh, like death letter blues and um the you know i i came to the video to watch just for the just for the spectacle and just like the awesome music and you know his his guitar playing or whatever i i had no idea that i'd come across something that was so relevant to to tonight's discussion where the first comment uh underneath the um underneath the video uh was uh machines will never figure out why this is so good and this is so cool so point one, point, point one for humanity. And, and I, I thought about that for a second and I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Cause there, there are aspects of like art, you know, that I don't think a machine could ever truly understand, even if it gains enough sentience to make moral judgments, let's say, or judgments based on probability and data, 
you know, we always talk about like the Terminator movies where Skynet, you know, Skynet determines humanity as a threat just because we're, you know, you know, the way we are, you know, like overtaking everything and resources or whatever. So Skynet decides to just blow us all up. Um, even if, you know, even if you like factor in all these like really crazy, like, you know, semi outlandish scenarios, you know, there are, I still think there are certain elements of like the human psyche or spirit, like, you know, with all like, like, again, like in regards to artistry or maybe even like, maybe even like human sexuality and spirituality, like, like certain very, you know, um, intimate elements of, of what makes us organic that I don't think a machine would ever truly get. I mean, perhaps maybe, I mean, we're talking really hypothetical here, but like thousands of years into the future where um, AI processes, you know, uh, on the level of like, you know, the way our brains sort of interpret things. But even then, I mean, you know, philosophers have been arguing this since the dawn of time, you know, what constitutes a soul and where does the soul begin? And where does the, you know, where does the brain begin? Where does one end and the other begin? This is what's so fascinating about it. So like, I want to know what you guys think, because that, I thought that quote actually had me, it had me like flustered for a second because I was like, damn, that's a really good point. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if a machine could really get why blues music, something really soulful, is so good. I don't. I don't think a machine would ever really understand that. Even if you gave it the data to understand it, I still don't think it would. So, with that, um, I, I, I honestly I don't know. Just because, like, I have seen some videos on YouTube. Um, I believe it's. I believe it, it is in China or yeah, somewhere um, in that area, they had created a, a Android like person and they were at a, like a, um, uh, whatchamacallit, what's that thing called? Like a, a, a convention and they legit let that Android talk to people and they legit had like a back and forth conversation. Even the, the Android was actually laughing at jokes. So for you to sit there and laugh at a joke and you're artificial, I think that right there takes a lot of programming or a lot of intelligence to sit there and process a joke and know when to laugh at it. So do I feel like uh, ro uh, robots or it just can they understand I feel like I, right now I feel like they're, they're in their infancy so right now no later on I believe there's, a, there's, a, there's strong indications telling me that yes at some point um, they can because if you think about it nowadays a lot of manufacturers are implementing robots to re not, I don't know if it's to replace human uh, workers, but they are putting them there. Even right now, a lot of like when you call a lot of these companies and they have their automated systems, they're able to understand what it is that we're telling them. So that alone right there shows you the level of the intelligence that it takes for 
a, a robot, a program to sit here and understand what I'm telling them and then to direct me to the right place if they can't find the proper answer for me. So I feel like there there is a lot of space for that type of technology to grow. Even right now, they're 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 incorporating these self-driving cars. And they're able to stay within the lane. They know when oncoming traffic, you know, like they can internal, well, not internalize, but they can figure all of that stuff out. So I feel like right now where everything is, it's in its infancy stage. And it kind of like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to you, it kind of like freaks me out because I'm not that much of a religious person. You know, I do believe in a higher being. And I know growing up, I used to go to a, a Catholic school and I would always hear, you know, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, 666. And I'll, like growing up now, like I hear that the mark of the beast is really the indoctrination of technology mixing in with the human soul, the human element. And I've have seen like uh, people getting these like electronic tattoos or they'll get like a, a chip being implemented in, uh, like embedded underneath their skin. And all they have to do is just scan their wrist to either pay for something or to get to gain access into different locations. And if you really take a, 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 a big step back, the watches, the smart watches that we have, that's just a precursor to what's to come. Because as of right now, you all you have to do is just scan your wrist, and you can already pay for that stuff now. What is the next? What is the next step? What is the next level after that? You know, I, I think it's really interesting that you were talking about like the systems um, that the te these technologies have in place to understand certain things. You know, certain patterns, algorithms, logistics. Um, you know, even like the Tesla you were talking about earlier, um, and then the evolution of technology. You know, to have like what we have to try and understand, you know, what Jonathan was saying earlier, you know, the feeling of good music or to have that free will, so to say, they would have to have sort of those systems in place. And I don't even know how that would begin to be a factor. Um, but the, um, you know, back to the topic of transhumanism, having these two together, you know, humans and technology embedded within each other, Maybe that's the catalyst for that sort of, you know, um, progression towards that, and that's that's what kind of scares me because then that's where people start getting into like, you know, not, not to say that I'm a, a conspiracy theorist or anything, um, but start getting into these ideas that you know, technology will rebel at some point. We see how we treat them, so to say, they're pretty much like our slaves in a way. You know, they do our bidding. We don't really do anything other than maintain, you know, how, how does that factor in with those concepts of having a system of free will and, um, you know, just identity, I suppose that would be another, another factor to that, you know, being more human-like. So one thing, um, so Jonathan, let me just put this out there real quick and then you can, you can speak. Um, yeah. So one thing that popped into my mind, um, so I feel like this, this whole uh, exposure to 
one day being, you know, a, a percentage uh, robotic or uh, um, whatever, what, however you want to phrase it. The perfect example of that, that has been, you know, exposed to us a long time ago is the pacemaker. The pacemaker goes in your heart and it's a machine that helps regulate the valves in your heart that allows your heart to beat, which allows you to live. So I feel like that, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It, it, there's, there is a lot of plus sides to it because technology gives a lot of people the ability to do things that they can no longer do or weren't able to do. Like a lot of uh, uh, people who have like amputees, you know, technology is giving them that ability to walk again or to, yeah. to grasp uh, things. Exactly. So there, there are a lot of benefits to uh, you know, I guess this transhuman, yeah. but then again, I feel like if person A is giving me something that I can put in my body that can easily be hacked or controlled, what can happen then? If I, you know, if somebody hacks <laughs> me and I go out and do something stupid, who's at fault? This is back to me saying it's a double-edged sword, man. Yeah, yeah, like I, I, um, I mean, this is interesting. Like, I, I, I mean, I wanna, I wanna address like, like two, two aspects of this. Like, I wanna address like what you said, Storm, and then Alex, I wanna, I wanna talk about what you said, man. Um, so, so, Storm, like, yeah, this, I feel like once the technology reaches a point where it changes the fundamental like makeup of the human person then I'm not, then I'm not cool with it. Or if it could be hacked and all of a sudden make me like, you know, um, you know, some kind of like hijacked, whatever, you know, Android thing. No, that, that's, that's a no go for me. Um, I mean, but I do think that there is profound potential for these developments for people who obviously have disabilities, the uh, people who are handicapped, uh, you know, people who have medical conditions. I mean, there, there. Obviously, these things are great for that. I mean, as within, within like certain limitations. I mean, again, if you're gonna be, you know, implanting something in a person's body that can be hacked and utilized for something heinous, let's say, um, well, then I don't think that even the person afflicted would necessarily feel um, okay with you going through a procedure, um, you know, like that. So I, I mean, I, at least I would hope, at least I would hope that it would be something morally that everybody would, you know, sort of like question and, you know, uh, you know, weigh the pros and cons and the ramifications of it before they actually jumped, um, on, on something, you know, you know, in that, in the, in that vein, you know, that being said, like, you know, Alex, you, you mentioned, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It is, um, there's a really great um, anime segment. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Animatrix, but there's a really great anime segment in the Animatrix, which is a great, a great, honestly, even if you don't like the Matrix movies, or I know a lot of people hate the sequels, but the, the Animatrix is a wonderful companion, almost standalone in some, in some respects, to 
the Matrix, uh, the Matrix films, it, it does use the lore, but it, it builds upon those concepts in an incredible way. And there's, there's two segments in particular called the Second Renaissance, Part 1 and 2. And the, these segments deal with how humanity got the machines to, basically they incited the machines to overthrow them. And it's really fascinating because it shows that, you know, up to a certain point, the machines were were a force kind of like what you were saying storm the machines were a force of of benefiting humans they were occupying our our jobs and they were doing tasks that we didn't want to do anymore and it was safer and you know it seemed fine at first but when humanity started to um treat the machines terribly or to really you know um really, you know, like put them, you know, dominate the machines, I should say, um, in a really, you know, um, you know, across the board in every single way and to exploit them, then the machines overthrow the, the human race, which, you know, again, is a, just a typical sci-fi trope. You know, we see this play out a lot in sci-fi stories. Like, but what makes it so compelling is that when you think about like right like human augmentation or like utilizing like you know in transhumanism like utilizing uh you know robotic parts or you know electronic uh components to um enhance a person um it's again like it's to me it's it's most dangerous when it starts to compromise the moral and ethical makeup of what makes a person a person that, you know, which is, which admittedly is not something we really have even defined yet. You know, the human race has a very hard time defining that. Uh, you know, we, again, like philosophers have been trying to define that for forever, literally since the dawn of philosophy. And, and, um, it's not, it's not easy. And now with science and, and you know, um, catching up to philosophy, if not exceeding it empirically, then, uh, you, you know, you have this issue where um, how do we measure, how do we measure what's really human and how will these devices um, remove that humanity or enhance that humanity? And it's, it's a, it's a very interesting question, but for me personally, I'm, I'm also, very skeptical and quite scared of it. I mean, you know, we, you talked about like, like I was, I like, Storm, I went to Catholic school too, um, you know, as a kid. And, and um, I was always afraid of, of something happening that was biblical and whether or not, whether or not, you know, um, AI is the biblical reckoning um, I mean, obviously, it's anybody's guess. I mean, we're living in a time where I, there's a lot of things which feel like biblical reckoning. So it's kind of hard to, it's like, pick your poison, which one's next. But um, I, I do feel like uh, this, you know, even though we, we, we think it might be that way, um, it might not be, you know, there might be elements of this that might, might actually help people too. But it's really anybody's guess. It's really anybody's guess. But I mean, I want to, I want to pose the question there. There's a group of people guys that um, they they're, they're striving for something called the singularity. I think that's what it's called. I could be wrong here, hmm. uh, but I think it's called the singularity where everybody's brain is uploaded into a server, basically a consciousness, a singular oh. um, consciousness. And 
I, I'm curious what you guys think of that because that, that to me is the ultimate. Yeah. I don't know about that. That that's, that's something I don't think, I don't think I'd ever want to digitize my, my consciousness, my brain's electrical activity and to upload it to some sort of cloud. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever want that, but I'm curious what you guys think. You know, it's um funny that you say that actually, um, because that reminds me so much of this show that was on Netflix, um, which, you know, funny thing about Netflix, I don't know if you guys know, but apparently they were indicted on felony charges in Texas, which I thought was very interesting for that movie. You know, that new one. That they yeah, I think I, I think I, re- I think I remember seeing something like that. That's it's crazy. Um, but anyways, on Netflix, it's called the uh, Altered Carbon, and they have like that in that series. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, um, where basically they upload human consciousness into these little discs and just kind of like embed it in the the back of their brain pretty much or whatever and it uploads them into a brand new body and i thought that was a very insane like like just idea or concept yeah one of my uh one of my co-workers actually told me about that show i i think i seen like one episode of it and i was just like oh, what the hell <laughs> but now it's it's it is very um it is very interesting and i i have heard about that singularity thing and for me Hell no, Mm-mm. you ain't catching me doing that because a, I'm I'm more of a free independent thinker. So for me to be going running around running along with the crowd, that's not that's not me. So I, me personally, I don't I don't want to be a part of something like that because at that point you are no longer you you know i mean you're no longer like a person you're no longer like a self-independent person you're part of the collective and i I, to me it it just that wouldn't sit right with me and knowing the type of person that i am like i couldn't go along with something like that yeah i'm with you a thousand percent storm i mean i'm I'm with you a thousand percent on that i i again like that's where to me there's no humanity left there. That's, that, that's something I don't think you could even, I don't think you can genuinely define or, or classify whatever the singularity is as human anymore. I think it would be something beyond that. It would, it would basically be mach, a machine at that point. And, 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 and to assimilate with something that, um, that, that again would strip me of whatever, defined me here on earth um yeah that would not sit right with me it wouldn't and i although you know from a spiritual standpoint now just hear me out because this is i think this is pretty relevant to to this particular concept there are many people who say you know we're all the we're all a drop in the same ocean you know if you think about that, you know, like people say we're all part of God, right? Like, like this is a, you know, belief a lot of people have. And if you think about it, it's kind of the same thing as the singularity, except it's a, it's a spiritual 
singularity in a sense, in a sense. I mean, obviously there's, I mean, we're not going, you know, crazy into detail and specifics of how, you know, cause some people w- with the singularity in particular, like there are a lot of like, you know, papers and things written about it, but, but, but I'm talking more like, you know, generalized here there, that is a specific concept. And even that, never entirely sat right with me. Maybe it's like my Judeo-Christian, you know, background where, you know, I was raised in the idea that, you know, every soul was unique and special, had a purpose. And, you know, like, you know, like God was something that was kind of removed from the person, but there, there, you know, but even still, I mean, you know, some people say, you know, well, you could be part of this big whole, right? This, this one large entity, but each part, it doesn't diminish the, the uh the distinction the 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 exclusivity of each piece which you know it's it is that it is that special unique characteristic and quality of each single drop in that ocean that that makes it a sea right so like i i i'm curious like what you think about that because the you know there are people that argue from a spiritual standpoint this is kind of going to happen to us anyway so i i'm just curious so let me let me ask you a question. I know you can't answer a question with a question, but let me ask you a question. Now, from from that aspect, right? What what makes you like? What makes you? Uh, damn, how do I phrase this? What 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 makes you you? Like what? Uh, like what is what is the essence of you like what is what makes you alive what makes you um yeah i guess what 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 how did like like you had mentioned earlier um we have as human beings we have souls and that's what allows us to be who we are but between a human being and uh a robot or, you know, AI, what is the difference there? Like, I have a soul. Do, you know, the trees, animals, you know, everything else, what makes them alive compared to what makes me alive? So going to your question with with religion, I kind of do feel like that because, I mean, like I said, I'm not really too uh, into religion like that. I do believe there's a higher being and everything like that. But I feel like sometimes um, religion can have more of a cult following and a cult mindset where everybody does and lives as one. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing just as long as it's productive and it doesn't um demonize somebody else who doesn't have that same following or that same belief so that's my input on that but going back to my original question what what makes us us in your opinion wow i mean i mean it's a great i mean it's it's a phenomenal question um i mean for, i mean for me i think i mean I don't know if I, I don't know if this is going to be the best answer for it, Storm. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try hard here. Uh, I I look at the human person as um, a mirror image of what created us, 
every single person, every single person is a mirror image of what created us, right? So, I mean, and granted, that is a, that is a spiritual, even religious, if you will, you know, has it has that context to it. But for this is just my personal opinion. Um, and what was what did you know this creator do, right? Whatever, however, we want to define the creator. You know, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You know, from any particular religion. It's just an undefined deity, let's say, or or, or om, omnipotent being. How do we? Def- what did it do? It creates. It it creates. It manifests upon itself over and over again, like the universe. If not, it, even if it, it it might even be the universe, it infinitely creates. And so, to me, the most human thing you can do the most sacred human thing you can do, the most beautiful act you can do is to create. And obviously we have that through biology where we, you know, we have children, but on an even, um, on a different scale, on an intellectual, soulful scale, you have art. And to me, I always valued art above all else in my life. All, all types of art, all ty- every, single, every single medium you could think of, because I feel like narrative, storytelling, expression, all these things, colors, sound, all the ways we, we, we experience sensation and quantify and qualify our experience, these things are a, a thing of beauty and are manifested by this creation, right? So to me, the most important thing a human can do and what makes us human, what defines us versus a machine is this ability to create. Now, I do think that a machine eventually will be able to create. It'll be eventually be able to paint a painting. It'll eventually be able to write a song. It's, it, they do already, right? Uh, you know, it'll even be able to make other machines. So, but the difference is that the inherent emotional understanding and capacity of the of them i think that even if they end up achieving it it's taught it's learned it wasn't just there i mean think about this for a second when the human like when the when the when the human person like first came into existence right um they they had these things innate within them you know, let's say even through evolution, you know, um, when the first person evolved, okay, they had these feelings. Organic beings have these feelings. Now, that answers the other part of your question, Storm. Do the dogs and the cats and the trees and all these things have, are they part of that same ocean and have a soul? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they all do feel, all of them. I think animals have a very profound sense of feeling and an intuition and a spirit to them. Uh, absolutely. And, 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 and it's because they are organic beings. They, they, they feed off of emotion and feeling and spirit. Even if a machine gains these things, and they, and they may very well gain these things, they, are, they were given that by us, which it's a very poetic kind of justice thing because if God or the universe or whatever it is created us, and we in turn created machines, but machines will overtake humans. It's a very strange sort of, uh, again, there's a poetry to that that's a tragic poetry there. So um, 
you know, I, but I, but again, I think organic life will always exist in some way or another, even if it's a virus, <laughs> which is maybe not the best, uh, maybe not the best choice of uh, choice of topic at the, given the current state of affairs, but it's true. I mean, there will always be organic life, even, even when machines will eventually take, you know, take their reign if they ever do. So that's the way I can answer it. I think that's what defines the human person. It's that, it's that spirit and willingness to act in the image and likeness of that creator. And that includes, you know, at the top of the list, emotion. I think emotion is a huge, uh, I, I think it is the defining characteristic of, uh, of, of divinity and love being the most supreme form of emotion, right? The most, the most mysterious, elusive, and, and powerful form of it. You know, and that's why when they say like God is love, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's the type of love that that level of creation is that it could create all of us is so transcendent that we can't even fathom it. But yet we have the ability to create these machines that can fathom us, but it's still, a, it's, it's, it's a reduction. It's a, it's, um, it's, it's distilling, you know, us into something, um, not quite as, not quite as complicated, but maybe less flawed, if that makes sense. You know, the human body is a, is a machine, right? But at the same time, it's a machine that breaks. Will we eventually create a machine that doesn't break? Maybe, maybe. But again, that's, that's a reduction there. That's not, that's not, I, I don't feel like it's creating anything special. I think, again, the idea that a germ exists or, you know, any of these things exist, or even the, even the concept of atoms or, you know, like the idea of like quantum potentialities, like infinite universes and all these things like that, all that stuff to me, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't veer me away from a belief in divinity or, or it, it, it cements the fact to me that the human being, and if there are such a thing as aliens, well, I think that they would, they would have similar, you know, they would have obviously even, even greater understandings of this than we do, but organic life is a very sacred thing, no matter what it looks like. It's a very sacred thing. It's a very, it's a very unique thing. And if you don't believe it's sacred, you're not religious, then it's unique. Albeit, I'll, you know, you got to give it that it's unique. So, you know, again, like, I guess it's the best way I can answer your question, man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I answered it, dude, but I, that, that's my, it's like kind of like my, my generalized philosophical, you know, worldview there. You know, um, I, I totally understand what you're getting into. And I, I was trying as well to kind of like understand how to answer uh, Stone's question. Cause you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing. What, what makes you, the person that you are. Um, I think first off, I mean, the one thing we can really think about is unlike, you know, machines, we have a biological, you know, evolution factor. You know, we, 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 as, as, as we've seen in the past, you know, we uh, change our mode of thinking, we adapt to our environments. Um, and that's also that's also, you know, with other animals as well. As you see over time, they adapt their environment um, to, you know, survive. 
you you can't really teach that i think to um to a robot you know it just comes back down to the basic which is you know abiotic and biotic you know one has life one does not um, so until they get to the point of being able to you know fix themselves or upgrade themselves because i don't even know if you can consider that evolution at that point you won't be able to really you know have that um you guys hear me yeah go ahead sound sounding better now okay um but yeah so like i was saying since the the robots, you know, they, they can't really evolve themselves. They can't really fix themselves. We have to do that for them at this stage. And they don't have the systems in place to decipher, you know, all that. Um, that's that's really what, what it's going to be that leads up to that. You know, that sort of, I guess, robot evolution, if you want to, if you want to, you know, term that. So let me, so I agree 100% with what you guys are saying. So let me, let me throw another question in there, another mindfuck question here. So I too believe that we as beings, entities, we are a, a reflection of what created us. Now, here's one thing that, was just floating around my mind now. So the way that the mind works, the circuitry and everything is very, very similar to computer chip. What it's literally one in the same. You know, you have electronic impulses that travel along, along the nerves and then that, you know, tra- just pretty much allows us to think, touch, feel, Everything that's all through the neur- the neurons and the, the 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 firing of the neurons and stuff like that. I'm probably getting all that wrong. Horrible. I just took classes with that too. So, <laughs> but anyways, um, so the firing of all that is very similar to what goes on in a computer chip. Now, for me, if we are a representation of or a reflection of what created us, now it makes me wonder. Are we just a, a, a micro copy of a computer and in the way that we interact, in the way that we think, in the way that we process information? Because one thing about history that I know is that history will reset itself and it will also um, repeat itself. So are we... Or have we all just been in phases of circling back to what we were intended to be in terms of a reflection of what created us? So let that sit there for for a second there. Well, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I like what you mentioned, Storm, about like, you know, the human brain, like resembling a computer chip, because yeah, 
it, it, it definitely does, you know, in many aspects resemble um, how we, you know, how we have produced, you know, processors and things in, in, in computers. And I, I, I mean, for it to go, you know, cyclical like that, to be a circle, yeah, it's a fascinating concept. You know, if we're, if we, if we ourselves are somehow creating our own universe within a universe, uh, if you will, you know, that we, we are the gods of something else, you know, we are, our, we are our own gods in a certain sense. It's a very valid question. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, again, I mean, you can always go back to that prime argument that something's had to set it into motion. I mean, I mean, I mean, logically speaking, you, nothing cannot, you know, nothing cannot beget something, right? Like, like something just doesn't come out of nothing. You know, like I, I don't, I don't understand that at least. I mean, perhaps I, I know there are like a lot of like, you know, atheist philosophers and, and, and scientists and things who will, who will argue that point. They will argue that point. But for me, for, and, 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 and they're probably way smarter than me, but, 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 but truth, truth be told, um, at least for me, at least in my limited capacity and understanding, you know, I don't see how nothing can automatically create something. You know, there has to be that spark, that prime catalyst that, that sets it all off. So even if we are creating our own universes and robots and going in a circle, you know, with, with being our, the, the gods of our own sort of, you know, lesser beings that we create, um, again, you have to ask what was the prime mover in all of it? You, you know, you, you have to ask that. I mean, science also says that the universe has a beginning and an end. You know, they're saying that even though it is infinite, uh, there may be a multiverse and multiple universes and, and, and they're limitless, but yet they say that eventually our universe will stop expanding. Or I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know. But at least, at least this is from what I, rem I, I somewhat remember from when I took, you know, like astronomy and stuff like that. They say that it will eventually stop. You know, there's only so far it can go. Um, and that, that's very telling too. You know, at least this is what we know. Again, I, I feel like even, even, in our, even in our empirical science and in our theoretical science as human beings, there's so many questions that are unanswered and there's so many dots that aren't connected. Um, but I, 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 honestly, um, I think that, again, even if we do end up creating, which we might, we might create, you know, our own um, form of life, quote unquote, if you will. But even if we do, what created the life that created the life? So I don't really know if it, it may be cyclical in a sense, but something, something has to begin the circle, at least in my, in my opinion. And I, admittedly, it's not, you know, I'm no, I'm no, you know, astrophysicist or whatever, but, but it, it's, it's, I think there has to be something, but again, there are many people even in popular culture, you know, a lot of authors out there now who are quite vocal and they will argue against that. So, I mean, again, it would, I, I think it's more of like a take your pick, like, you know, what, what sits more right with you? You know, as you were um, speaking about that, um, I, I, I was reminded of like some, some things that I was thinking about uh, in the past uh, recently. 
And I, just based off of like what I've learned in terms of like the universe and, and you know, limited resources of science, um, I've theorized like that, that maybe like the universe is somewhat like a star. You know, it builds up, it builds up, it expands, it expands, and it continues um, until it just can't anymore. And then, you know, it, it will explode. And that's, you know, maybe what they talk about. You know, maybe that's why different universes, you know, though can be similar, are not exactly the same. They may meet a, 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 an explosion um, before we do or, or whatever the case, which I think is really cool and interesting to think about um but much like uh, oh well not much like but when I, when I think of that in relation to what we were talking about you know robots um and other things um you know these are inanimate things that they're not per se uh, an actual you know organic system you know it's just a bunch of rocks and chemicals and inanimate uh, things working together to create these sort of um, what you call um, anomalies and you know uh, events. So when you put the organic factor together with the inorganic, that's just kind of a you know like well, what are you really creating there at that point? It, it kind of goes against like what um, you would see you know nature has been up to this point. Um, organic working with inorganic to survive. So I I like I like that concept there. How nature has been working with inorganic with organic um, because I feel like there. There needs to be a balance and that right there that whole concept is a, a, a good depiction of what balance is and what it should be um now as what you were saying uh jonathan um so with energy energy can't be created nor can it be destroyed it's it's just there um so it, it's it's like, you know, this debate has been going on for, for years. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You can't create something out of nothing. It has to already be there. So in terms of us as human beings or just, you know, beings of light, beings of energy, um, it are we progressing or regressing um, in terms of our growth because depending how you look at it one one side can say that we are um, progressing because you know technology you know we are creating technology but then on the flip side of that technology is also helping us elevate ourselves and on the other end of that discussion where we are regressing is technology is a lot, you know, we as a society, as a people, as a nation, whatever you want to call it, 
we are allowing technology to do things for us. Um, that human element is slowly but surely getting removed from the equation of what makes us us. Um, because technology is soon will be driving for us. It will be thinking for us. It will be doing this and that for us. And that right there is taking away what humanity that we have as a people. So it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting topic because it can go either way. And then that's just how I, how I see, but I feel like in order for us to really be where we need to be, there needs to be a balance. What that balance is, I'm not too sure because where we are at now in this current stage, one cannot survive without the other. Technology cannot survive without us. And as the way I see it, we can't survive without technology. So uh, that's just my two cents on that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's definitely true that technology can you know, we, we are, we have a symbiotic relationship now, right. With, with technology. Um, and I, and you can, you know, I, I, I'm one of these people that I'm not going to say, you know, I, I, as, as someone who does enjoy technology myself, I, I'm not going to say that it's bad. I'm going to say that it's, it's neutral. Um, it's something that has potentiality for great use and is oftentimes misused, but that's with everything in the history of humanity. <laughs> it was, every single thing you, you give to people will always be misused and exploited. It's, uh, it just seems to be the way the human person um, seems to you know, um, execute its uh, modes of operation. Uh, I mean, even something like food, the most basic need for survival and water can be, you know, um, overindulged and misused. Uh, and, and, uh, so that, that, I mean, that, that's kind of how I stand on that. I mean, but as far as us being, you know, as far as us as beings, um, and, and whether or not we're evolving, um, you know, and if technology is aiding that, well, I guess in some senses it has, I mean, I mean, we could look at something like even the the podcast, you know, like what we're doing tonight during a, during a pandemic where we can't reach out to other people. We can't find a way to communicate. All of a sudden, you know, we can make new friends. We can establish relationships and create something meaningful so other people can listen to. That right there is pretty miraculous if you really think about it. It's a, it's, it's a blessing, right? It's a, it's a gift. And that is most certainly helping us transcend as a as as human beings as people right but then you know on the other hand you know you got the facebook stuff where uh people are using it to find clever and creative ways of hurting each other and causing drama and things like that so it's um or or or, or dividing you know causing division i mean uh i feel like the internet is the is the biggest cause of division or the biggest example of of, of division out in the open uh, that, you know, anyone could ever, you know, point out, you know, it's, it's, I think it has caused way more um, arguments than it has friendships. I'd love to see the ratio. I know it's, I know it's pretty immeasurable, but I would, I would love to see the ratio of how many friendships versus arguments and wars it's created amongst, you know, people. 
But uh, at, at the same time, um, again, I, I feel like in order for us to really evolve, I feel like now is the, is the time, a very pressing time where we need to figure that out. Because, and if technology is the way, um, then perhaps it is. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not because there, technology and science may be the only way for us to move forward at this point. In fact, uh, you know, even something like, you know, the, the, the pandemic, the only way to fix it is, right? I mean, we're, we're, one of the ways they say you can fix it is with a vaccine, you know? Um, and, there, you know, there's truth to that. I mean, you know, like science right there, vaccination is a way to end this and it's technology. So uh, in a sense, right, you know, it's, it's biological technology, but it is technology and it's developed on technology for sure. So this is, you know, again, like for the human race to survive, and for it to thrive, then it most definitely needs to, it needs to, it needs to live in tandem and unison with it. But I, I also do think that, um, unfortunately, again, I would love to see a ratio. I don't, I don't even know how you would go about that, but how much it has really um, affected us and, and um, you know, uh, held us back versus how much it's actually pushed us forward as in, in our spiritual journeys as souls on this, uh, this organic rock. That's, that's something I think to be determined, but I was, I would, I would err on the side of uh, more than likely it probably didn't really, I, I really don't think it contributes enough or, or maybe it contributes against it a little more than it should. But again, it, um, yeah, I mean, I can't emphasize enough. I feel like, if we, if we found a way to, you know, work on human nature, then I think technology would follow suit. But all of it boils down to our, our own base tendencies as, as, as an animal of sorts. I mean, that's what we are, right? I mean, we, we are organic, you know, we are, you know, we, that's, you know, it's, 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 they always, you know, in classical tradition, they always said it was reason, which is what separated us from the animals. Well, you know, I guess it's, it's time for us to start using that reason a little better. You know, we can use it, you know, we could use it to the point of where we manipulate mathematics and, um, and, and, and science to create technology, then, then, yeah, I mean, I guess then we need to, uh, we need to apply that to our, you know, I guess you could say technology is, um, is a stepping stone in our pathway to enlightenment. I guess you could argue that. I mean, I, 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 I think it's very, very valid sound argument. Now, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, now, if you really think about it um, with our discussion of technology, now technology doesn't necessarily have to mean electronics. I mean, you can, if you go way, 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 way back in our early stages of developing as uh, humanity, I mean, a person who first put together, hey, if I sharpen this stick and throw it at an animal and it'll kill it, technically that's technology. The first bow and arrow, technology. When somebody had the bright idea to, you know, they seen a lightning strike and they set the tree on fire or however it happened, and he, you know, put two and two together, let me take this piece of wood and, you know, touch it to this fire and then create light. And well not create light, but to use 
light to help me guide, you know, guide myself through the night. However, um, you know, technology has been right there with us, you know, from the beginning. So it, it, I don't, I don't really see how we as a people can really cut off ties to technology because it's so deeply intertwined in our being and our uh, origin, so to say, um, that helped us, you know, catapult ourselves to where we are now. So what do you, what do you think about that? I think you have a, you know, a good point there, you know, like um, different systems that we had in place, you know, before electronics, for instance, like agriculture, uh, agriculturally or, or things like that, you know, like uh, irrigation systems. You know, this is an example of a technology that they, you know, primitively was used uh, for benefit for, you know, multiple people and a society. Um, and, you know, even like ways to make it easier to, to build certain things like tools, you know, hammer and picks and, and things of that nature, it, it, screwdrivers, you know, whatever, even, even like those crude instruments like you were talking about, um, Storm. Uh, they're all a part of what started, I guess, making us evolve. You know, that, that kind of comprehension of how to use inanimate objects in our benefit um, through modes of science, of course. Um, and that's led us to where we're at now. So, you know, they definitely do go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, like, like early technology, you know, as far as like early humans, you know, that that obviously was a way of us, you know, it, it was about survival. I mean, initially, but I wonder now if it's more or less really is it about survival or is it just about, you know, making life easier? Um, you know, I would say medical medical technology, I would argue, is the most valid as a, as a form of survival. Whereas, you know, you could argue that where I think that, you know, I mean, do we really need smartphones to survive? I mean, realistically speaking, now we do, of course, based on the circumstances of, of our reality, uh, you know, based on the way society has become. But, but it, let, let's say we stripped everything back to the Stone Age. Let's say we just went all the way back. And do we really need this to you know, exist, you know, like food or water or air, shelter. No, we, we, we don't. So um, I think, again, it might, be, it might be an interesting reflection or a translation of our progression as a species where we're at right now. I mean, it's kind of bizarre to think of like the, uh, the iPhone as a, um, a uh, you know, uh, an effigy of, 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 of uh, what, human, what humankind has, you know, a testament to what humankind has created, uh, you know, where we are in our development on an evolutionary scale. Um, it's interesting because that, you know, if that's as far as we've come, we still have a long way to go. You know, if you want to use technology as a ratio, a, ga a gauge, uh, you know, to rate, you know, to see the, um, you know, the whatever, like the, you know, what, how far our development has been into the proportion of what we actually create. That's, that, that's, that's interesting to me. But I, I mean, I think that, you know, even with early humans, you know, they, they, sometimes I think that they, you know, reason and, and utilizing our, 
our, our higher, you know, order thinking, like these critical thinking skills. I think that sometimes it, it, it led us down roads that maybe weren't always, you know, the best too. I mean, and, and now I know that might sound weird, but think about it. I mean, when you start developing systems, you start developing, you know, you start quantifying and qualifying everything. You start measuring everything. Everything becomes a standard. When you start creating standards, then all of a sudden, you know, what, what is initially a unit of measure starts to become a means of control. So I, I would argue that I think that sometimes reason is actually what holds human beings back. It is not the purest form of, of spiritual enlightenment. I don't think that, you know, from what I've heard, you know, like when people go on these, you know, they go on these like, uh, these like psychedelic, you know, enlightenment trips. I mean, admittedly, even people I know have, 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 you know, have taken these, these, uh, these, uh, you know, journeys, if you will. And, um, I never, I, no one ever has come back and said, oh man, it's all mathematics. And oh, I, I, you know, all I saw was X's and Y's and, and, you know, no one ever says that it's always a real profound spiritual people seeing the earth breathe. And it's, it's sensation based. It's experience based. It's experiential. It's, 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 um, it's sensational, you know, you, so that again, makes me wonder, is the human person not, you know, really at our core, the soul is not really rational by any such stretch. It's, it's not, it's, it's pure unadulterated, you know, as storm, as you put it was so great. Like it's a being of light. It's pure light. It's pure energy. And that, that you can't quantify or qualify it necessarily. I mean, it's a, it's a form of energy we can't measure just yet, at least. And that's really interesting because all of a sudden now that brings into the question, is reason and math and science actually something that, even though it aids us here in the material world, are these things that hold us back from true enlightenment? So... I don't know. I always wondered about that. I always wondered if like the brain was sort of like this semi-permeable membrane for the soul where, you know, after a certain point, what was, we, we, we filter, we filter these really profound truths in our own divinity through these concepts of logic. But what if logic is actually the thing that is the downfall of man? It's what, it's what forces us to draw divisions and boundaries between this, you know, it's, it's a vessel. The body is a vessel that is a boundary between the unity of souls and of people. You know, and a lot of religions believe that. And I, I think there might be a lot of validity to that. Because again, people who go through these religious epiphanies or very profound, um, you know, um, like, uh, like, like uh, journeys and experiences, again, they, they, they never come back and talk about how enlightened their reason has become very i never never heard of it even anecdotally i've never heard of an account of that or read of an account of that they always come back and say that it was it was pure feeling pure feeling pure sensation and experience and it was something that they can't even describe or put into words it was a feeling of love or unity that transcends human um 
language. I mean, I, I mean, I, it sounds crazy, you know, but there have been times where I've had these dreams, like really profound dreams where I can feel like a togetherness with whatever spirit or person I'm talking to in the dream, oftentimes deceased people that when I wake up, I can't explain that feeling to you. Even if I spent all day writing a poem and <laughs> storming out, you guys know all about that too, right? Like you could spend all day writing a poem about these things, but you'll still never be able to capture those, find those damn perfect words to really capture what that feeling was. It's literally impossible. You'll chase it your whole life and you still won't find those words. If that's not some sort of evidence for a, a God or divinity at work and something that's intangible and beyond technology, then I, I don't know. I'm hard pressed to find any other example. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that 100%. Like it's, it's 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 just it's crazy because what you kind of just touched on just brought back uh an earlier discussion the earlier discussion that we had about um the singularity it, it what you just touched on is it's it's i want to say it's like a perfect mirror image of that concept but it's very very close to what you just uh brought up early enough with that. You know, with um with what was said, I, I really do agree with you guys on um on what was said so far. When you were talking about these concepts, um you know, it came to mind that the the, the difference between the animals we know and us is that we use this reason um, and this comprehension as our tool for survival, and that's why we create this technology to thrive. You know, at first it was about survival, and now it's become about thriving and progressing and seeing how far we can go. And all that links together, you know. Um, that That's what separates us from everything else. So, you know, even coming back to this whole cybernetics things too, so to find how we can enhance ourselves now um, through inorganic factors that, you know, we weren't born with or, or anything like that, that that's, I guess, in a, in, in a sense, a type of evolution, you know, towards what will be the human race and maybe even machine. I think it's uh, all very interesting things to, to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everything is, you know, again, like I, 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 I find all this stuff really fascinating. Like you guys bring up such amazing points because, you know, this is something that, you know, I've been thinking about since I was like, you know, in high school, like I, I've pondered this question and I, because even now as an adult, you know, I searching for inspiration in my own writing and I'm always saying to myself, I don't feel like I don't feel like I should always be so rational or like logical when I write. And sometimes I, I, I find myself, you know, you know, I don't want to say measuring, but it's like, you know, I, 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 I'm like, I can't reuse this word or I can't say this or I can't say that you, you know, you try to put all these limits and parameters on, on art 
But if you really think about it, the best art comes so naturally that you really, you know, you really don't have to think about it. Again, I, I go back to that initial point, you know, I made about, you know, in the beginning of this part of the conversation where we were talking about like the blues, right? One of the reasons I love it, you know, as a genre is because it is so evocative and expressive and it's free form or like even jazz, it's, it's free form. And you, you, you don't, you know, you, you play within the realm and again, the parameters of, of, you know, the limitations of the instrument and the scales and the notes. And it's mathematical. It is mathematical. It's a language, right? But all of a sudden it becomes ethereal too. It becomes metaphysical. It becomes like beyond a language. It becomes evocative and expressive. You may be able to call it C note or a D note or whatever. You may be able to call it that. But when it evokes an emotion in you, it's not a C or a D note anymore. It's something beyond, you know, it's, it's not that anymore. It's, it, 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 that's what we measure it. I always said that I think mathematics is the language of God. And I think that people will never, will never ever truly define, or, or I should say solve for X. And what I mean by that is I think that mathematics will eventually become circular. I, I don't think that it will ever truly break the limitations and the walls and boundaries of understanding beyond what our limited perception can handle. I, I truly don't think it will ever really understand the mystery behind the mathematics. I think it's, I think it's like a matrix. It is kind of like a matrix in the sense that it is decoding the language of a God that created this physical realm. But I don't ever think that it'll be solved. I don't ever think it'll be pierced and, and we'll be able to remove ourselves from it. And I think that even if we start playing with things like space time and multiverses, and I mean, there's all, these are all things that physics actively talks about now. You know, these are things that at one time were, you know, purely science fiction. And now these things might someday, granted hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years into the future may happen. And all of a sudden you start asking yourself, like, does that eliminate God from the equation? I, I don't think so. Because I think that even if you were to go into another universe where these boundaries and limitations were redefined, there were a different set of building blocks you were working with. And the math was inherently different. The language of that universe was different. I still don't think, again, the, the creative force behind that language, just like the C note or the D note or the musical notes and, or colors and what these things evoke in us, these, these abstract, intangible things, you're never going to find the source of that or truly be able to express it. It's like, you know, you say something is, you say something is like the color blue, right? But what is blue? Really, what is it? You know, it's like, I, I remember a creative writing teacher had said to me once, try to explain the concept of blue to a blind person. How do you do that? But yet, you know, you find these incidents and stories or you read these, these things where, you know, you find that people who do have handicaps and limitations, people who are deaf or blind or, you know, who have these, these, uh, these, these, these uh, impairments, if you will, they they make up and they compensate for those things tenfold in ways we can't understand. And what we may define as blue, they'll define in a way that we'll never understand, but it's the same thing. They're getting to the same concept, but it's, it's something way beyond we understand as people who don't have these limitations, but they actually enhance their own, they adapt. So that to me is, that, that's, that's divinity to me. That's a miracle. That's something that I don't think you can fully explain strictly by 
mathematics or science or neurology or the brain, the study of the brain, I think that it would, I think that even if you found the mechanism, if you could pinpoint the mechanism to me, you showed me the exact things on, let's say some kind of super advanced MRI, you know, or something, technology they may not even have yet, you, you still would not be able to prove to me really what the essence of it is because essence is something that I don't think we can really ever really truly get to. And maybe that's what death is. Death is the essence. It's going, returning to that essence. You know, I don't know. Now, I, I definitely agree with you uh, about the whole mathematics thing because I don't know if you guys have heard of um, Fibonacci or the golden ratio. Um, everything that you see is or has something to do with some type of mathematical calculation. And um, it's, it's, it's definitely out there. And what you were saying, um, Jonathan, about describing blue to a blind person, like I've have, I have heard stories about people who are able, were able to taste colors. And, you know, most of that stuff is due to like some type of uh, injury where it kind of just rewired their, their circuitry, so to say. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's just a very interesting uh, concept to really try to break down because it, it's, there's so much that we don't understand about ourselves that we're slowly beginning to understand um even with the the mind itself there's the limitations of the mind it, it's so vast but yet we only understand a small fraction of it and there's so much that we can do that we can't just innately tap into ourselves and to really explore those um those parts of the minds or those abilities that we can't do because if you take into consideration the whole concept of evolution, me personally, I don't really agree with that concept all the way. There's certain parts that I do, but not all of it. Um, but I feel like as we continue to grow and expand, Evolution is definitely taking part in our growth, in our journey. Um, and it, it, there's, there's just so, so many open areas that this conversation can lead to. And it, it's, 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 it, it really is, at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot to really fathom because it's so much that we don't know which I feel like really leaves us with more, more questions than answers. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, man, Alex, you want to, you want, you know, you want to, you want to take a shot at that? Uh, sorry. I actually had to put silence a little bit of it. Um, 
you know, I kind of just caught like the tail end of it there. Uh, maybe if you could uh, put your input in real quick, uh, Jonathan, I can formulate something. Yeah, man, sure. I mean, I mean, like, you know, for, for me, I, I just think that, um, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I agree with Storm a thousand percent. Like, there are so many places this conversation can go, and there are so many, there are so many individual, you know, distinct elements and portions of it that, you know, if you if you were to take it apart and to explore each one, you still, I don't think you'd have enough time to even break them all down. Uh, but I, I, I mean, you know, you know, in summary, for me, I mean, my my whole belief on this is, you know. I'm, I, 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 you know, I, I am, I am someone who I, you know, in, in, in general, I admire technology. I love video games. You know, I, I bring that up because um, I think video games are the next step in narrative. I think they're the next step in storytelling, the next evolution of human expression. And, you know, there's a really interesting concept, like there are certain games, like game stories that can only be experienced as games, right? Like you, you, you know, you fulfill the roles of a character, you know, of a character, you walk in their shoes and you can only, you can only experience this as, you know, as a gamer, as, as, as somebody playing a game, right? You have to play it that way in order to fully understand the narrative. It wouldn't work as a film or a book. It would have to be drastically changed. And the, the agency of the player is what makes the game and the decision-making of the player is what, is what alters and shapes and changes the story, right? Which you know, to have an active, to have an active component in that, that's, that's something that technology has enabled in another way. It's, 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 it's enabled and enhanced artistry and being able to express ourselves, which I still think is, you know, the, the supreme, you know, the penultimate way of, of us sort of showing our, our, our humanity. Right. So, I mean, I bring it up because, you know, I, I think that, even through, you know, even when you look at cinema from the first days of cinema, the earliest days of movie making, whenever human beings find a way to have technology to do things that may seem like certain tasks or to crunch numbers or to do scientific advancements, you may have that on one end. But on the other end, we're always using it for our own human means to our very human basic needs. I mean, I mean, you know, I even have to mention like, you know, like sexuality, like, I mean, come on, like the internet is <laughs> filled with uh, some crazy stuff, right? Like, the, you know, like, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it, it's true. I mean, the human beings take forms of technology and we adapt it to our very basic needs that technology has nothing to do with. So I, I just think it's really fascinating how, um, you know, we can talk about like, we could talk about like all different aspects of whether or not technology is enhancing our evolution. But I think at the end of the day, our humanity forces itself through and our artistry, our desire to express and create is demonstrated through this. It's demonstrated through every aspect of technology and every advancement in storytelling and expression and creative freedom that has ever graced, uh, has graced us. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I feel in short. I think technology is, 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 I think, it, I think it can be dangerous. I think it can lead to some weird stuff like the singularity that I don't personally feel comfortable with. And I think it can be an invasion of privacy, but I also think that kind of like what Storm was getting at earlier tonight, like 
in the right hands leading to um, a grand evolution of the light within us, the spirit within us, and the connection to facilitate those and those truly human aspects of ourselves. Yes, I think it can be used for that too. And I would hope that in the future, especially in a world where we're more disconnected than ever due to, um, I, interestingly enough, biological circumstances, that we use this to transcend and to connect. And I think we're headed towards that. I think we're headed towards, I think people are a lot more open and receptive to it. And um, I think that the future on that end is very intriguing and bright for the time being. But that's, 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 that, that's my whole, that's my whole view of, of that in a nutshell. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I mean, you know, uh, teaching these things, uh, you know, to, to people sometimes, like when you're thinking about what you feel in terms of art, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can really teach art. I think that's really more of a, a self-proclaimed thing, you know. Um, and it's just, there's, there's a lot to unpack with that too. Um, you know, there's only so much I can say about that. Yeah, it's, it's, there's so much that can be said. Um, and I feel like tonight was just a small dose of uh, what has or what can be uh, touched on. There's so much to uncover. And we just, tonight was just a small, small, insignificant glimpse of what is really out there. Um, what is really out there that some people may or may not believe, may or may not talk about, or frankly may not even see. Um, it's, 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 it's a very fascinating concept. And what I mean by that is just life itself is a fascinating concept. Um, because no one really knows or understands where it all began and where it really ends. Um, just because once we die in the, in the standard definition of what death is, our soul, our light transcends and becomes something else. Um, so death physically, yes, we do go through it, but there's more after death. Like how you said, Jonathan, when people have those uh, near-death experiences or, you know, they do die and they come back and they describe something that can't really be described because it's, it's more of a feeling, it's more of a presence of energy. So that just goes to show you that there's more to what we know or what we understand or, uh, to what life really is. Um, so on that note, um, so I just want to get uh, a quick summary um, before we end tonight's show. Um, what, what are your final thoughts or what did, what did you get out of this, uh, these, these topics of tonight? Um, I got that, you know, 
even though uh, technology is going, you know, in, in a very scary and progressive direction, um, that it's, it's played a very big role in um, how we humans, you know, uh, thrive and survive as a whole. Um, and as well, you know, the, the inner workings of what makes us these beings that we, that we exhibit. Um, it's, it's very interesting to me, you know, how life is a reflection of itself, you know, whether it be in organic or inorganic matter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me tonight, I, I mean, I just want to say, you know, like, you know, if I may, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I absolutely loved like having this discussion with you guys. It was, I mean, as always an honor and a privilege to do this. Um, and, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like, honestly, I learned a lot tonight, um, you know, uh, hearing you, hearing you guys thoughts and like, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, sparking my mind with these questions, you, you helped me rediscover a lot of my own beliefs that I think I, I've often forgot as I got older, you know, sometimes, um, and I think that's a great point, you know, we could talk about another time, you know, I think as we get older, uh, adult life obscures the questions that really matter. And when you have a conversation like this, as abstract as it may seem, and, you know, as, as unanswerable as so many of these questions are, you, you feel like you, you return to the root of something special, something that, that brings us all together and something that speaks to a hope that um, I don't think that a lot of people uh, focus on on a daily basis, which is, you know, um, what, what is beyond all this? You know, because that is the ultimate existential fear, the fear of it ending, you know, and there not being something beyond. But I feel like, you know, with the talk of technology and seeing the limitations and restrictions um, we have in our life being broken by our own advancements and innovations, I think by virtue of that, you know, phenomenon and feat alone, there is something beyond. Um, we may not be able to define it or explain it just yet or ever, but we have to hold on to hope to that. We have to hold on to our own spirit and our own ingenuity that human beings will utilize this for our own good. You know, especially in a time like this, we need to really prioritize that. So I just want to thank you guys for helping me uh, remember that tonight. You know, it's always really good to, you know, stay humble and stay focused and, and to, um, you know, talk with others and have this dialogue and conversation because it helps us all, um, you know, re return to that meaningful place, you know, mentally. And, and that's, that's, a, that, that's a damn beautiful thing. Now, as for me, I feel like after really digesting everything that was brought to the table, um, I feel like I, I walk away with a different perspective. Um, well, not really a different one, but a more strengthened perspective because I feel as if the sky is the limit. Um, and that's with that saying, you know, the sky is the limit, but we at some point will break that limit and go beyond. What that beyond is, I have no idea. But it just makes me be a little bit more grounded in the sense that I am living in the current and I need to 
I need to prepare for the future, but I can't lose track of where I'm at now. And to kind of just live in the moment and enjoy what I have now because I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. I don't know what level of destruction or what level of chaos technology or the, the world itself will bring in the future. So it's always good to just live for the now and just prepare for what's to come. Um, whether, you know, I make it to tomorrow, at least I can say for today, I was able to live for me, myself, my family, my son, everybody around me that I truly care about and love. At least I was able to say that I was there. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's what I what that's what I gathered um, from tonight's discussion. And Jonathan, you brought up a really, really good point. Um, and I feel like what you had mentioned definitely needs to be uh, dived into so we can really further explore that one. Um, but that will be for another show. Um, but for tonight, it was definitely good, you know, just vibing with you guys and really just speaking on, I don't want to necessarily say taboo things, but just discussing and divulging things that people, for whatever reason, don't really, aren't really too open about um, discussing. Um, so, you know, it was definitely good spending another night shooting the shit with you guys. So, um, you know, until we come back again to the round table, um, I will see you guys later. Thanks again, guys. Always, always a pleasure. And, uh, I, uh, I always look forward to these conversations it means a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity as always. Yeah, thanks for having me on here, Storm. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate sharing my ideas with you guys as well as, uh, you know, taking in your thoughts and ideas as well. It's always a pleasure. Yes, yes. So until we meet again, everybody who is listening, who took the time out to listen to our podcast, thank you and good night.